want to now read together Malachi 3, verses 16 through 18. And I want to invite you once again at home, if you will join me in the reading of the word, whether it's one of you or all of you, let's read together God's word. Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to FBC again. My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at FBC. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, and if you are joining us for the first time, don't uh, forget to visit our website. There's a lot of information there about the ministry uh, that we're seeking to uh, see God use for his glory here in uh, Medford, Oregon. So we're glad to have you here with us. We're continuing our study of the book of Malachi. We're in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. We're going to be looking at three verses, uh, Malachi 3, 16, 17, and 18. And uh, so as you're turning in your copy of Scripture to uh, that section of the Bible, uh, just a quick reminder, if you've got children with you, uh, we have resources on the line, On Demand Kid Zone. There's a link on our fbcmedford.org main page, and you can click on that. There's a video that uh, Kylie Joe Flinner has put together just for the children, as well as some resources that you can print out, some activities to allow them to engage with the truth of the gospel. Uh, so you can use that either this morning or any time during the week. It's always uh, loaded there uh, for you as parents to use uh, as you would like. And don't forget, uh, this Tuesday and Wednesday at noon, we have our regular uh, FBC Live Midweek Bible Studies at 12 p.m. on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you there as we continue those studies. So hopefully you found your way to Malachi chapter 3. Uh, verse 16, a very unique section of the book of Malachi because it's a just a, a brief section of Scripture where we see the people of Israel, uh, or at least a, a portion of the people of Israel, uh, responding very positively to the message of Malachi. Just a reminder of what was going on in Judah, the southern portion of Israel during this time. This Malachi was written maybe three or four hundred years, maybe five hundred years before the birth of Christ. Israel had been ejected out of their land. Judah had been taken captive by Babylon. And now in this time frame, some people had been allowed to return to the area of Jerusalem. They had rebuilt the temple. They had rebuilt the city walls. And in some sense, they were seeking the Lord. However, things weren't working out the way they thought they would. Uh, the temple wasn't as great as they remember. The walls weren't as big as they would like. And they weren't experiencing the, the financial and economic and agricultural bounty that they remembered uh, from reading uh, the Hebrew scriptures, that when you're faithful to God, he is, uh, provides you uh, all these bountiful blessings. And they weren't seeing them the way they thought they should, and so they were beginning to turn away from God. And Malachi was written to them to call them back to close relationship with God according to his covenant, uh, regardless of the circumstances that was going on in their life. And here in Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18, we see a small group of people, really the minority, a small group of people in Israel who responded very positively uh, to the message of the prophet, and they wanted to seek the Lord. And we might ask ourselves, 
Why would they? The majority of the culture was rejecting the Lord. The majority of the culture had walked away from the Lord. Most of the people in the land did not see the value of seeking the Lord. So what was different with this group of people? And there's a lot of things that might be different, but I just want to focus on one or two things here this morning. Uh, The first thing we want to pay uh, close attention to is this. This was a group of people who wanted to plan ahead. They wanted to plan ahead and know what the future held. And since they were planners, since they wanted to plan ahead, they knew that following the Lord made the most sense. Uh, Planning ahead, we all plan ahead to some degree, some more than others. Uh, We're told to plan ahead for retirement. When we stop uh, earning a regular paycheck, we should have money set aside. We need to plan ahead for school if we anticipate a certain profession that we want to engage in. We need to look at what is the training required to be a part of that profession. Does it require college? Does it require vocational training? What is it? We have to plan ahead uh, for that. Uh, we might plan ahead if we own a business. Uh, we, we know where our business is today, but we need it to grow to a certain degree. And so therefore, we're going to think about what's our strategic plan over the next year and five years and uh, 10 years. And even as families, we plan ahead. We think about what is the summer hold? Uh, what does it look like next year for school? Many of us are planning. What what will our life look like if schools aren't reopened in September? Uh, what is it, What does our life look like if things uh, are a little bit different for a while? We're planning and thinking ahead. And uh, and we might even plan ahead for, for vacation and recreation. Uh, where are we going to go uh, once things are opened up? What are we going to do to get out and stretch our legs uh, once again? So we all plan ahead to some degree or another. And that's exactly what these folks are doing in Malachi. And so that's the title of the message today, Plan for the Future. And we're going to look at a couple of different ways that they were planning for the future and the way that they were executing uh, on their plan. So let me read again, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Plan for the future. First thing, get good advice. When planning for the future, you want to get good advice. And that's what's going on here. Uh, Studies have shown that if you want to get in shape and you want to exercise, one of the best things that you can do is to do that with other people. That, That there's greater consistency in you exercising. There's greater commitment to exercising in ways that are uh, beneficial, you get better results, hands down, uh, when someone, when you have somebody else you are exercising with. And so what what happens is people uh, hold each other accountable, they share with one another, and they talk with one another. And that's what's going on here in the book of Malachi. They, uh, This is a group of people who feared the Lord, and they knew what fearing the Lord meant for their daily life, and they knew they couldn't get there all by themselves. They needed another person to walk with. They needed a group of people who had a shared perspective on how things were going. To get where we're going as followers of Christ, to get where we're going as those who fear the Lord, we need to go together. In order to get where we're going in a relationship with the Lord, we need to go there together. The people of God come together, not just because it's enjoyable, not just because it's people with shared values or shared a worldview. The people of God come together because they need one another in order to get from here to there. Planning for the future means getting good advice, 
meaning talking with uh, people who are going to share and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. Look at the first sentence, excuse me, of Malachi 3.16. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. What does it mean to fear the Lord? We get a hint of it from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. So the fear of the Lord is wisdom. What the, what the Bible is telling us, the pe- people who fear the Lord have an insight into things, which has directed their perspective about who God is and what he is like. And they've said, well, when I look at who God is and what he is like, he is God, he is worthy to be worshipped, and he is not someone to be trifled with. So the fear of the Lord is beginning wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Knowing God and knowing what he is like is insightful. It, it, it's keen. Uh, someone who has observed God through his word and understood what God is like, God by his spirit has given them insight into the way things really are. God is the one, it says, that will multiply or provide for us the years of our life. God is the one in charge of everything. So to fear him and recognize what he is like is actually wisdom. Because most deny God. Most uh, would not agree that there is a God who uh, is described the way the Bible defines him. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Certainly it is a reverence. Certainly it is a recognition that God is God. He is greater. He is the sustainer and creator of the universe. There is no one he reports to. He does not consult with anyone on his purposes and his plans. There is also a sense of awe. There is a a sense of wonder, meaning when we understand who God is from, from the scripture, we immediately are struck with this notion that we can't fully understand him. We, we know him enough to know we don't know him very well. And so there is an awe. There is a worship, a sense that he is so great, he ought to be esteemed and held in, in high regard. The fear of the Lord is to regard God as God, to recognize that he is God, meaning his purposes, his will, his plans are unquestionable. Certainly we can question his purposes and plans all we want, but they are never going to be altered or forsaken because God's purposes and plans are always done. They are always good, and he is not seeking our advice on them. And there's another element to the fear of the Lord, which most of us don't like, but nonetheless, it's built into it. There is a fear of the Lord, which is this notion of, well, fear. There's this idea that if God were to show up, we would be scared. Uh, Go through your Bible the next time you're reading through your Bible and look what happens every single time someone encounters the Lord. They just freak out is what they do. And that's the appropriate response. Most of the time God has to tell them, fear not, meaning I'm not going to kill you. So the fear of the Lord is people who recognize uh, by the Holy Spirit working in their heart. God is God and he is worthy of worship and awe and he is worthy of reverence and even a sense of fear. Moses on Mount Sinai said that God appeared to the people of Israel that they might fear him to keep them from sinning. One of the things a fear of the Lord does, it gives us a check, a restraint on us pursuing our sinful appetites. 
we go and we say, well, I'm going to go do this and I'm not going to get caught. And it's not that big a deal. A fear of the Lord says, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe since God is holy and God seeks to restrain me from that, maybe since God sees everything and knows everything, maybe that sense of fear will restrain uh, us from pursuing our sinful appetite. So those who feared the Lord, they recognized that they needed the Lord, and so they spoke with one another. They were a like-minded minority. They affirmed in their community that they all together needed to seek relationship with God through repentance. So fearing the Lord moves us to acknowledge with God the ways in which we have denied him. And what they did as a community is they're coming together and they're admitting together how much they need God. And because they fear the Lord, they immediately are moved toward repentance. And I'm saying this, we, we have to, I'm, I really want us to emphasize what was going on here in the community of those seeking the Lord. Because oftentimes we, we think of connecting with others around the Lord as sort of a, an affinity group. I got people I play tennis with, I got people I play golf with or go camping with, and I got some people I hang out with and do religion with. And it's just one of the many affinity groups in my life. That's not what's going on here. This is a group of people who've come together and together they have recognized that God is great and they aren't living up to his purposes. And because mutually together they recognize their sinfulness, all together they are coming to God in repentance. So they're planning for their future by advising one another, getting good advice from one another. How do we seek the Lord? We need to repent. We haven't been seeking the Lord. We've been seeking God's blessing, but we haven't been seeking the Lord. We've been seeking God's stuff, but we haven't had our hearts set on him. We have been pursuing benefit for ourselves without pursuing benefit for our neighbor. And, and they recognized something missing in their life that needed to be repented. And they came together and did that. A community of repentance where they're worshiping God together because God is holy and God is just. So those who feared the Lord, they came together and they spoke with one another. It's a little bit weird in the English. It seems like they just got together and had a conversation. But it's quite clear they're having a conversation about turning back to the Lord. It, they're having, Malachi has presented to them over the course of three chapters everything that they have done to abandon the Lord. Most of the people of Judah had said to Malachi, take a hike. We don't think you know what you're talking about. This small group of people, those who feared the Lord, spoke with one another and said, Malachi's on to something. We need to respond to the word of God in repentance and admit, I see what God is up to and my life doesn't match. I want my life to align with God because I fear the Lord. It is worth having my life aligned with God because God is God. Look how God responds to the people who are worshiping him. This is the second part of verse 16. The Lord paid attention, and he heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So somehow Malachi had insight into what was going on in heaven when those who feared the Lord turned to him. What happened on earth? Think about that group of people getting together and speaking with one another. What happened here when they sought the Lord together, they repented together, Certainly, blessing poured out. Everybody around them realized they were right. They came to them and admitted to them, you were right, we were wrong, right? Is that what happened? No, nothing happened. In fact, the Bible here doesn't say anything happened. 
What did happen didn't happen here. It happened in heaven. Look what happened. The Lord paid attention and heard them. They repented and the Lord heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him, meaning a record was taken of this group of people repenting before God. The, the, a, a record was taken. Here's some people in Judah. When all else had rejected God, here's a group of people who feared the Lord, and their fear of the Lord drove them to turn to the Lord, and this book was written down before God. Uh, a book of the Lord was a rem, book of remembrance, I should say, was written before the Lord of those who esteemed his name. So those who esteemed God, recognized God as God, a book of remembrance was written before him. This is why this is important. The people of Malachi were saying this just last week, the passage we're in last week, the people of Malachi's day were saying this. Listen, we tried serving the Lord. We walked around in sackcloth. We mourned. Uh, we acted all sad. Uh, we brought some a few offerings into the, to the temple. We really tried the religious thing. God didn't show up. So you can keep your God. We are instead are going to worship on our own. We're going to worship idols. We're going to seek the ball. We're going to seek Ashtoreth and all the others. And here, though, we have a different group of people who have sought the Lord. And the only thing that happens of significance, at least in this little passage here, happens not in their life, but happens in heaven. Before the Lord, a book of remembrance is written. There's a great story in the Bible about a book of remembrance that's not in heaven, but it's instead here on earth. Maybe you remember the story of Esther. Esther was a Jewish woman. She was taken captive, and she found herself in Susa, and the king looked for a wife, and so he got a bunch of women together, and he was trying different women to be his wife, and Esther was made queen. Really interesting story. If you haven't read it, you should read it. And what happens is one day there's this little aside, just a little parenthetical story that's told. One day, uh, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, he was hanging out by the, the gate, and he heard a couple of guys. He found out there was two guys in the kingdom who were planning to assassinate that king, Xerxes. Word got back to the king, and he made sure the king found out. They were able to make that, to, to frustrate that plot. Those two guys uh, were caught red-handed, and they were uh, taken care of. And the king's life was saved because Mordecai intervened uh, on this plot to assassinate the king. What happened to that story? It was written in a book. It was written, nothing happened to Mordecai in that moment. A book was written, and it was recorded that Mordecai had uh, reported something to save the king's life. Now, how, how does the story end? One day, Haman, he's the bad guy. He's coming in to talk to the king. Everything's going good in Haman's life. He is planning to destroy the Jews, and everything is going great. He has been elevated to one of the highest authorities in the kingdom, and now he has been asked to have a banquet at the queen's house. And uh, that night, as uh, before uh, Haman came to the king, the king wasn't able to sleep, and so they brought him books to be read. They read to King, king Xerxes the Book of Remembrance. It is read to him, and he discovers and remembers the faithfulness of Mordecai, and when Haman walks in, the evil one, the king says to Haman, I remembered somebody who did something great for me. How should I exalt them? 
Haman, thinking he was the one that was going to be exalted, listed all these things. Give him the king's horse. Give him the king's robe. Give him the king's jewelry to wear. Have the king's highest official walk him around town proclaiming, look how King Xerxes glorifies those who uh, honor him. And so the king said to Haman, do everything you have just said for Mordecai. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because it's a book of remembrance, and the people of Malachi's day understand how things work. The book of remembrance is recorded before the Lord. The payoff, the payoff for seeking the Lord in faithfulness is what is before the Lord, not what is happening right here in my immediate context. The honor of having that recorded comes later. The fear of the Lord is what drives them to repent. The honor of doing the right thing in the moment is going to come at a later time. And that's critically important to understand. They're planning for the future, and the way they're going to plan for the future is to get good advice. They're coming together and say, we need to plan for the future so that God is with us. And what they're going to recognize is the, the primary future they need to be concerned about is their future with the Lord, which means we're going to serve the Lord faithfully now, even though the payoff may not be for years or may not even be in this life. It may be when we see the Lord one day. And so because this is difficult to do, it is very difficult for us to pursue faithfulness in anything, much less with the Lord, when there's a, a seemingly no payoff for it, they come together. They come together and give one another good counsel. Give one another good advice. The future is coming. Let's stick with it. We can do this together. So planning for the future Get good advice, meaning hang around with people who will encourage you to fear the Lord today, knowing that honor will go will come one day. So those who feared the Lord came together and spoke to one another. They repented together, and the Lord paid attention to them. They may not even have known this was going on, but uh, Malachi understood it. The Lord paid attention to them, and it was written down to ensure God would never forget. So one just just one thing to keep in mind before we move to the next verse. Going against the grain is hard. Uh, it is difficult to seek to be faithful to the Lord in a culture and a world that has completely abandoned the Lord. It, it is going against the grain is hard. It is easier to go against the grain if we go against the grain together. It is difficult in a world that has denied God to say, I believe there is God and I believe he is worthy of worship and my honor and awe. That is difficult to do in a world that doesn't recognize God at all. It is easier to walk upstream when we walk upstream together. We can walk, we can come together as a body of believers and recognize it is easier to do this together than on our own. You know, this time of separation with COVID-19 has really proven that. I mean, how many of us are struggling in our walk with the Lord because we aren't able to have our routine time with the body of Christ on Sundays and those other times during the week. Many of us are already seeing the effects, and, we're, and, it, and it's difficult. Uh, maybe it's going to alter how we view what it looks like to be connected with the body of Christ. Maybe instead of just a, something we do on the side, we're going to recognize if we're going to get from here to glory, we're only going to do it together. And it's easier to do that together. Uh, we might need to recognize those who fear the Lord need to speak one another with intentionality. Hebrews 10, 24. Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves as some are in the manner of doing. 
And one of the ways you can do that now, since we uh, haven't yet had the doors of the church open, one of the ways we can do that is make time each week to call people, to encourage one another in the Lord, not just to catch up on what's going on with the kids, and, and that's important, but to call one another and say, well, what have you been reading in your Bible? And you say, well, well, gee, what, what if they haven't been reading with their Bible? I don't want to put them on the spot. Why don't you want to put them on the spot? Put them on the spot. That it might encourage them to read the Bible. I'm sorry, that might seem a little awkward. But if it encourages somebody to engage with the Lord in their scripture, and they come together, and, you, and, and two people come together in repentance and recognize, we need to seek the Lord. We can't abandon him now. We, the, you've gained more than you can imagine. And the books are opened. In the book of remembrance, a note is made. So let's press in and seek fellowship with one another. Plan for the future. Get good advice. If we're going to get where we're going to go, we're going to get there uh, together. All right. So like we mentioned earlier, exercise uh, is uh, more successful if it's done with people. But another thing about exercise, and I promise maybe uh, this will be the re- last reference to exercise. Some people will make a goal. Say, you know what? I need to lose, I need to lose 20 pounds, and so I'm going to... Let me get some exercise. And so uh, you get up one morning and you go out and you run a mile and a half or run jog a mile and a half or uh, mostly uh, think about walking a mile and a half while sitting on the curb out front. I don't know how you do it. And so you do your workout and then you come home and you weigh yourself. And you're like, I haven't lost any weight. I've worked out. The weight should just fall off, right? Well, as it turns out, maybe you don't know how this works. Uh, You don't just lose weight after working out once. It requires a regular routine of, uh, of exertion in order to lose weight. And this is what we do with our walk with the Lord. We say, oh, I'm going to seek the Lord, and then everything's hunky-dory. We need to understand the time frame that God is working under. So when we plan for the future, number one, get good advice. Hang out with people who are going to strengthen our walk with the Lord. Secondly, plan for the future. Understand the time frame of the future we're talking about here. Understand the time frame. Read verse 17 with me again. They shall be mine, says the Lord, referring to those recorded in the book of remembrance. They shall be mine, says the Lord, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man who spares his son who serves him. When will this all come to fruition? When is this all going to pay off? It says there, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. Another way that is phrased throughout the scripture, Old and New Testament, is this. That day, that day, which is the day of the Lord, the day of his reckoning, the day when reckoning, the day when we see him again. That is when all things come full circle. And what the Lord is saying, the time frame of the Lord for him to work and for us to serve him, the goal is not tomorrow. The goal is that day. Think about it this way. Family's going to drive to Disneyland. Of course, if you drove there right now, uh, you could get on all the rides with no lines, uh, but I think it's closed. But you tell the kids one day, hey, we're going to drive to Disneyland. You want to go to Disneyland? Yeah, okay, let's go. Get in the car. Let's, let's drive to Disneyland. So you get in the car, you pull out of the driveway, and you get down to the stop sign. You haven't even got to the freeway yet, and the kids say, where's Disneyland? And you say, well, well, yeah, I mean, we're going. We're going to be, it takes 10 or 12 hours to get there. In fact, we're going we're gonna to drive down there and stay the night. We're not even going to go to Disneyland until tomorrow. And they said, well, you lied to me. You told me we were going to Disneyland. Well, yeah, we're, we're going. We're on our way. We haven't even got to the freeway yet. You're a liar. Get, let me out of the car. Yeah, you said we we're going to Disneyland. I got in the car. We should be there. And you said, well, it's not a teleporter. It's a car. You got you to gotta drive down there. And, and most of us, if our kids acted like that, we say, well, that's ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. 
But this is precisely what we do with the Lord. We say, well, Lord, look, I've obeyed you for the last 10 minutes. Look, Lord, I had a, I had a thought that was kind about somebody. And, and look, I've been able to be, uh, seek you, Lord, with fear and trembling for, for 30 seconds. So, Lord, where's the payoff? And we have to understand the time frame of what God is doing in our life. He is working in our life steadfastly and faithfully, not to make us, uh, not to do something for just this afternoon. He has in mind the day when he makes his treasure, the day of the Lord, the day when his kingdom is ushered in. We gain the Lord today. When we put our faith in the Lord today, we gain the Lord today. But the day, the day when all of our faith, all of our uh, uh, life with God pays off is that day. So in one sense, we already have the Lord. In another, in another sense, we have not yet received him uh, fully. This is what he says. God makes them a promise as they've turned to him. Verse 17, they will be mine. That's a promise. That is a, a covenant He is making a covenantal promise to people who have sought him through repentance. And he has said, they will be mine. He confers on them a blessing. And what is that blessing? The blessing is this. On that day, they will be a part of my kingdom. They are a blessed people. Now, the others who have rejected the Lord in the book of Malachi, they wanted to seek the Lord and they wanted the Lord's blessing What they wanted was uh, a large country that could defend itself. They wanted a high-valued real estate. They wanted a home that they could live in and be secure in. They wanted a vineyard where they could make the best wine and a field where they could uh, generate wheat to create good bread. And they say, listen, if God won't give me a house and a vineyard and and, uh, some wheat to make bread, then God isn't blessing. God here is issuing a blessing of covenantal promise that one day when his kingdom comes in, they will be with him in his kingdom that will endure forever. So then we must say, well, when is that day? In that day, uh, the Lord will bring in his kingdom. One thing we do know, look down at uh, Malachi 4, 5. Behold, before that day comes, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now, we're going to save that verse for another day, but we understand from uh, the Gospels, that is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Elijah. He is the one who came and served as fulfillment of this prophecy. The Messiah comes after after John the Baptist came, and the Messiah did come. Jesus came, and he lived his life on this earth perfectly with no sin, died on the cross to bear upon himself the sin, the, uh, the sin and the penalty for our sin that all who would believe in him would receive eternal life. Three days later, he rose from the grave, and now he has ascended, and he goes to prepare a place for us. And now that puts you and I in a very tricky position. This is the position it puts us in. On the one hand, Jesus on the cross said this, It is finished. Is it finished? Yeah, we should take him at his word. Jesus said, it is finished. But what else did Jesus say at his ascension? I go to prepare a place for you. So on the one hand, our salvation is finished. On the other hand, it is still a work in uh, progress. 
He is putting the finishing touches on that day, even today. And what we want, we want the it is finished and the preparedness that he does now to be shorter. We want to be able to put our faith in Christ and have everything work out. But that's not what's happening. Uh, to plan for the future, the future day when the Lord will return, we need to understand the time frame. The time frame is this. There is time between our faith in Christ and that day. And the goal is for you and I to live by faith, faithfully in the fear of the Lord between those two periods, knowing that the day of the payoff of our faith is that day. The day of the payoff for our faith is that day, not today. The Old Testament believers understood that. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. Hebrews 11, 39. You can turn there real quickly if you would like. I'm going to read it. Of course, Hebrews 11 is a long list of Old Testament believers that are affirmed for their faith in God and the covenant promises of God. And this is how Hebrews ends. Uh, Hebrews 11, I should say, ends. All of these, this long list of Old Testament believers who sought the Lord, it says this, and all of these, though they were commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. All of these did not receive what was promised. Did Joshua receive what was promised? No. Did Caleb receive what was promised? No. Did Moses receive what was promised? No. How about Daniel? Dan I mean, he was a great guy. How about Daniel? Did he receive what was promised? No. How about Jonah? Well, no, he shouldn't have. He was kind of a, a pain. He didn't receive what was promised. Uh, who else is a good one? Who, who else should have received what was promised? How about Joseph? Joseph was faithful. Certainly he received what was promised. No. In fact, Joseph, at the end of his life, said, Please make sure my bones are carried out of Egypt and buried in the promised land because I know I have not yet received what God is promising. And what we're discovering here is the, the promise, the promises of God, the covenant promises of God are brought to fulfillment in Christ. So no promise is fulfilled until Christ. And when Christ lived and died and rose again, all promises were fulfilled in Christ so that without us, and without Christ and the scope of history, no one could have received what is promised. And since we're not home yet, you and I, like Daniel and like Jonah and like Moses and Joseph, affirm we have not yet received what is promised because we're not home yet. So we need to plan for the future and understand the times because we say, God, look, I read my Bible and I prayed and I'm seeking you and I'm saying no to those sins that I know are wrong. But God, you're not showing up in my life. And what, what happens in that frustration is we've shrunk down the time frame. Instead of seeking that day, we want Tuesday. And that becomes something that generates a lot of frustration in both you and I and the people around us. We want the time frame for the payoff of our faith to be about five minutes. And God says, no, no, no. I, the time frame for the payoff of your faith is eternity. Uh, think about it this way. Well, first let's read uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and then uh, we'll think about it another way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that means since we have all those, these who came before us, since we're surrounded by these witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which clings to us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So there is the time frame of the Christian life. It lines up with Jesus. Endurance. Look at the cross and then anticipate standing with God in his presence. And then we think, well, what do we do now? What we are called to do now, because Jesus is worth it, is to run with patience, to run with endurance. Keep going. The path of darkness will soon be in the past, and we will be in the kingdom of light. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. Do I want to trade in the blessings of glory for whatever I think ought to be today? Now, thankfully, God won't do that. He knows what is best for us. What he's telling us is this. The payoff for the book of remembrance is the day of the Lord. Now, certainly God is going to bring great blessing into our life today. Each and every day we should count those great joys that God has given us in family and friends and food to eat and a house to live in, all these other things we should thank God for. But that's not the payoff for our faith. That's just because God is nice and God is awesome. The payoff for seeking the Lord is that day. And on that day, when we see what we have prepared for him, we will have gladly denied everything that we are seeking even now. Plan for the future. Understand the time frame that God is looking at. It's that day. Listen, we're going to face big challenges. We're going to face big challenges because we're not home yet, and we're living in a world that is running contrary to the things of God. So how can we have confidence that we're going to get from here to there and make it? How can we have confidence running against the grain of the world and running upstream that we can make it? Uh, So finally, this plan for the future, have great trust in God's character. Let's read verse 18 of Malachi 3, Malachi 3, 18. Then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. So this house laid out. People repent. A book of remembrance is written. Uh, God makes covenant promise to them that on that day, they will participate in his glorious kingdom. And on that day, the faithful followers of God will see clearly that there is a distinction between those who are in the kingdom of God and those who aren't. Because this is what the people of Malachi's day were saying is, look, we're serving the Lord. It doesn't do any difference. It makes no difference. The people who serve the Lord are not blessed. The people who serve idols seem to have everything they want. So what's the point of serving the Lord? And we need to plan for the future and have confidence in God's character. And what he's saying is on that day, we will see there is a difference between those who fear the Lord and seek him by faith and those who reject him. Uh, Back to our drive to Disneyland with the kids. You've got two cars out in the driveway. You've got a, a 2019 a Cadillac Escalade with DVD players, climate control, the whole nine yards. You've also got a 1979 Honda Civic hatchback. This hatchback Civic is so old, the the emblem doesn't even say Civic. It says CVCC. Do you remember those? It's rusted out. When you're sitting in it, you can see the highway. And uh, it's a manual uh, transmission, but only first gear and fourth gear work. To back up, you've got to open the door and push with your leg. Which car do you want to take? This is not a complicated question, is it? You're going to take the Escalade. This is not a difficult thing. So the question is, how are we going to get from here to there? You can take the beat-up old car that is your life, or you can trust in God's character. Is God 
God and will he pay off the way he says? Our hope then for the future is knowing that God is going to make things right for his glory and in his name. Our hope for the future is not that we will be able to pay, our life is going to pay off today or that we can be faithful enough to get there. Our hope for the future is God will get us there. Real quickly, I know I'm running uh, long, and I only say that to make you think I'm concerned about it because I'm really not. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, I'm going to read this parable and the meaning uh, quickly as a way of summing up what he's saying here. Jesus told this parable, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in a field. While his men were sleeping, his enemy came in and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared. The servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then did these weeds show up? And he said to them, My enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather up the weeds? And he said, No, no, no. Because if you gather up the weeds, you might root up the wheat along with the weeds. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather up the weeds, bind them in bundles, throw them into the fire, but put my wheat in the garden. And this is what the parable means. Jesus explains it to his disciples down in verse 37. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out all of his kingdom, all the cause of sin, and all of the lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We call that place hell. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Plan for the future. Trust God's character. Will evildoers who reject God get away with it? The answer is no. Will those who seek God by faith because of his covenant promises fulfilled in Jesus enjoy God's benefits? The answer is yes. How can we know that will happen? Because God is just and God's character is such that righteousness will prevail through Christ, and those who reject Christ will enjoy their rejection apart from God in the fires of hell. The question is, uh, why is uh, my faith in Christ not paying off yet? We say, I trust God's character. It will pay off because Jesus has made, has made me righteous, so therefore I will be m among the righteous who go into his kingdom. God's desire is every single person will have an opportunity to repent and turn to him. And so the, the field is left. Because that's what he said. Well, why doesn't God just take care of the evildoers? He wants every single person to have the opportunity to turn to him. As the Bible says, he desires that none should perish. But those who reject him will be uh, allowed to have exactly what they've asked for, separation from God. So our, our, our hope is not that we would be able to I, say, I told you so, to the people who reject Christ. Our hope, though, is founded on God, who is God of justice, a God of righteousness, God uh, who will honor those who pursue him when no one else is pursuing him. God who will honor those and remember those who come together as the faithful minority and say, we will seek the Lord even though the world has denied him. Is God good? 
Is God able to fulfill his promises? Can God pull it off? Is he worth waiting for? Look at Malachi 3, 18, and then we'll uh, close with this. Malachi 3, 18. Once more, you will see. You will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. God will, on that day, make a distinction. We must ensure by repentance and faith that we are among those by Christ among the righteous. And when we reject God, we must understand on that day, we are set apart. Plan for the future. Three things. Get good advice. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You need others in order to get from here to there in your Christian life. There is no way to follow the Lord and and live into everything he's called you into without some connection with others and not merely affinity, but those who come around us and challenge us to fear the Lord more and more each day. I think many of us would acknowledge that we live most of our Christian life on our own. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Plan for the future. Understand the time frame. Listen, repentance is good. Re- seeking the Lord today by recognize how, recognizing how my life has walked away from him is good. And repentance is not deal-making with the Lord. Repentance isn't, if I confess this, God will pay off. Repentance is this. I want on that day to walk closely with my God in glory. And because of that, today I will recognize my life doesn't line up with his in many, many different ways. For some of us as Christians, we need to repent of how lightly we take our walk with the Lord. We don't fear him. We just think he's our buddy. For some of us, we need to repent of sin that we just refuse to let go of. For others of us, we don't have a relationship with God, and we need to, in this moment, repent and say, Jesus, forgive me. I trust that what you did on the cross was for me, and I need your salvation. How do we get there from here? And this is a question all of us have to ask ourselves. Do we trust God, and do we trust that he is good? Yes, God is trustworthy, and yes, God is good. Let's plan well for the future together. Let's plan well for the future, understanding the time frame, and let's plan well for the future, trusting in God's character.